Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 673rd episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have a couple of friends who are transforming their disadvantaged community. We're talking with Wallace Kirby and Bo Luther about Hustlers to Harvesters. Wallace is a product of public housing in Washington, D.C., and claims to be a survivor, thriver, and transformer of disadvantaged communities. He is the senior co-founder of the Hustlers to Harvesters Applied Research Garden. Bo is the other co-founder of the Hustlers to Harvesters program. He was born and raised in Washington, D.C., and is a returning citizen who is focusing on transforming lands and lives for the disadvantaged. Welcome to the show today, Bo and Wallace. So I shared a bit about you. Bo, let's start with you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Well, actually, what got me on the path to get here today, I had actually had 48 years to life, and I gave all of it back except 13 years, and I came home to basically nothing. When I came home, I got an ice cream truck and feel like that I had to need the garden because I was selling junk food. So actually we started with a garden. Uh, We started cleaning up a a neighborhood and that neighborhood took us into gardening. And from there, that neighborhood that I grew up in Washington, D.C., feel like it was a need to do some gardening there because Marvin Gaye had grew up in that neighborhood as well. So we just came together with the people in the neighborhood and just start square, I think it's a uh, quarter acre of, of farming area. And we just started growing there, you know, from out of nowhere. I had carpentry skills. So we just started building for nothing. We started building with ship, I mean, with uh, wooden pallets, uh-huh. building up our fences and stuff like that. And from there, we just learned agriculture from uh, UD, University of District of Columbia. And how long ago was that? Actually, this was been maybe about, about six years that we started mm-hmm. uh, with agriculture. Actually, Wallace had seen the need that we was going to be doing gardening there. So, you know, by him being the senior, he said, we got to take these classes. So 
we actually started taking one garden class. From that one garden class, we took up aquaponics, hydroponics, aeroponics, hoop house certification, smokehouse certification, wow. agro-tourism. Agro I'm a carpenter, I'm a bricklayer. We uh, actually taught ourselves how to install solar, which is inside of our garden and on top of our healthy food truck. And we just never stopped. You know, we even actually, you know, we got interns working with us too as well now that we're starting to grow with them. And uh, they'll be helping us make, they will be helping them make tea, soaps, and herbs and spices. You're actually growing stuff now on one of our rooftop gardens where I live at in public nice. housing. Yes, we have a rooftop garden that we would love for people to come and see it because you can see the monument, the capital, you know, and wow. it's a lovely sight to see. We grow on vertical. We can grow up to anywhere up to 12 feet on a rooftop, growing vertical. You wow. know, uh, yes, we grow anything from lemon cucumbers. We got all type of specialty crops we're growing and we just can't stop. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, gardening's kind of like that, isn't it? <laughs> it's addictive. It, that it is. And what a great thing to be addicted to, right? <laughs> yes. As you know, it gets you back into your, it gets you actually back into, you know, your soul, yourself, yeah. you know, you, you know what to guard and what to eat. Your body is in tune with the earth. So you're putting stuff right back in that you're getting from the earth. Amen to that. Wallace, <laughs> your turn. Similar, I was, you know, raising public housing, you know, called Richardson Dwelling. We call it Clay Terrace. And actually, the area over there in that northeast quadrant, going back to the early 1900s, you know, when they actually had plantations mm -hmm. in that area. Eventually, many of our ancestors who were, became sharecroppers, you know, some of the farmers who had plantations there, they ended up, you know, of course, moving, you know, beyond that. That space, but it, it was called Deanwood at one time, the Deanwood area, and and it became one of the uh, economic enclave. And you know, a lot of more notable names, you know, of individuals, you know, associated with it. And to the extent that those farm areas were brought, you know, those tracks were brought by, you know, our ancestors, black people who had mm -hmm. been. You know, their relatives had, had actually been on those farms. And they turned it into, like, they had carnivals over there, one of the first black carnivals over there, theaters over there, one of the first black theaters was over there called The Strand, an establishment called Barnett's. Mr. Barnett's, who actually had catering service and one of the nightclubs that Bo had just mentioned mm -hmm. uh, about Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye, you know, kind of began his singing career by singing oh, wow. in that, um, that club there, right? And basically, a lot of our parents, like my mother, she came from the South. She was from North Carolina. She was a Southern Southern woman. And they came up here with a lot of agricultural skills. Right. And in that public housing development, they had little spaces. You know, we had little backyard spaces, little front spaces. And we always grew. We grew produce. And we always used to go in the woods. A lot of that area was really wooded area. Uh -huh for a long time, even when they built the public housing developments there. And we would go in the woods and, you know, we, they were really teaching us, you know, nature, ecology, agriculture. They was teaching us about plants and, you know, the habitat, everything. And the elementary school that both myself and Bo went to, which was called Richardson at the time, of course, it's been gentrified. It's a, mm. it's a 
a child of school now, you know, all of that. But we used to take, you know, they used to take us as, as young elementary school, used to take us on nature walks. They, that's what they call it then. You know, they might call it, you know, have, a, have another name now. But they, you know, so we knew our environment. Both myself and Bo ended up incarcerated for long durations of time. But those were things that was instilled in us early on. Yeah. So we came out, got out, and reconnected. We seen, you know, we knew the value of agriculture. We understood the significance. Like Bo said, you know, we, we also needed to get additional skill sets around it because a lot of things had changed. And so we did that. We got certified, yeah. you know, University District of Columbia, Department of Parks and Recreation. And we also had, had a, have established a relationship with Tuskegee University nice. in, in Alabama as well. Yeah. Nice. Congratulations. That's some great work you guys have done and Thank are continuing you. to do. Thank yeah. You. So what is Hustlers to Harvesters? Well, Hustlers to Harvesters is a group of returning citizens that collaborate with the young and old generation and want a better sustainable way of life. And that better, better sustainable way of life is agriculture in all ways, you know, where you can do multiple things besides growing. You can do infrastructure. You can just go anywhere with it. You can do infrastructure. Most people that want it don't want to think that they could garden and want, might not want to grow flowers. You know, they could build something. They can also test something. Like we say, we also have a food truck that we'll be getting introducing back again. We'll have, we got an outside grill pit. You know, Hustlers the Harvest is just a group of group of people that just want a better sustainable life, basically for low-income people and disadvantaged people, right? People that didn't think that nobody mm. could think that they could do anything or right. will do anything. So we giving back with that impact. That's why we call ourselves we're hustlers. We always been hustling. We uh-huh. we bring and it see it's, it's hustlers, and it started with two people, Wallace and myself, hustlers, two. And we're harvesting. What we're harvesting is our young and old generation into a better sustainable way of life. Any means necessary. We go out in the public and talk to people. We go out in the neighborhood and talk to people. Our garden is one of the only gods in the District of Columbia that don't have a chain on it. You could just walk in and out of there. It Mm. just got a basic rope on it. You know, and we always doing some all year round with the community. If it's not growing food, it's serving food. We we got links with everybody in the city. Somebody might call and say, Wallace, we got some bread. Wallace will call me. But what you gonna do with the bread? Or what you gonna do with the food? And we'll set it right out in front of our apply research and we give it out. And what we give it out, we also take surveys on what people want more in that neighborhood to when they come mm-hmm. in that garden. Yes. So Wallace can go on. And before we go there, you've used a term that I don't quite understand, and that's returning citizens. Can you say a little bit more about what that is, either one well, of you? Well, returning citizen is a term that across the country for almost like a decade now or so, there had been forums, you know, national, local forums around prison reform. Mm-hmm prison advocacy, and so forth. And out of those forums, the conversation was about how and what terminology should this designated group, this special group, how should it define itself, right? So the term return citizen became the more accepted, adapted terminology on a national level and whatever, right? Wow. It's the same, 
it's equivalent to being an ex-offender, right? Ex-con, so a forth. better term. That is well, for, for some, you know, like for some, it has a certain, you know, kind of connotation, implication, and whatever. You know, for other people, you know, there's always, you know, this or that. But mm-hmm. you know, some people feel that, you know, how can a society like this say that you are a returning citizen and all these barriers and stuff that's set up for individuals coming from incarceration, they don't treat you like a citizen. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's but officially, officially in most documents and everything come from the government, they say return a citizen. Here in the District of Columbia, the office established on behalf of and for that population is called the mayor's office on returning citizen affairs. They adapted it here. Got it. Wow. Cool. All right. Thank you for that. And so let's jump back over to the garden. Who is this garden specifically created for? The people in the community. Mm -hmm. So think back to the, both of you, think back to the community. And somebody over the past four or five or six years has walked on the property. And the simple fact that they walked on the property and started to engage with you, it transformed their life in some way. Do you have one of those moments that you can share about? Yes, I have a, quite a few of those moments we can share. About. Actually, there's a lady that lives around there that lives exactly directly across the street from the garden, right? Mm-hmm. Her name is Miss Margaret, right? And we call mm-hmm. her female Fred Sanford. And she used to beat me when I was young because I was bad. So, uh-huh. so like right now today, we'll go in the garden and it might be some cheers in there. Then one day we go in the garden, it might be some fencing in there. You know, and then we'll see Miss Margaret later on the desk say, Miss Margaret say, put those shears over there so when people want to come in the garden and sit down, right? Mm-hmm. So one of those moments, and then actually we had a lot of, when we had the ice, I had an ice cream truck that used to sit outside the garden before I put it in the garden. And all the kids would run down there and want to come in the garden and do stuff. So I let them come in the garden and do, they're like, ask me for some fruits and vegetables out of the garden. So I would ask them to do me, do some push-ups. <laughs> you know, nice. to do some push- yeah, we got that all on footage, right? We'll get them to do some push-ups, to do some exercise. And when we first opened the garden, they used to come down and run down the hill all the time. And I could give them little snacks off the truck and something to drink. And they're coming and mow the grass for us. You know, <laughs> mow the grass. Then they'll be talking about when this gonna grow, when that's gonna grow. And I say, patience, time, right? Yeah. So we got a lot of those moments, you know, that we can share. And you look at uh, all hustlers to harvest the site, you'll see a lot of those moments on there that we had a lot of fun moments and some bad moments too. So, but it's more fun. Yeah, awesome. And one of the big things we're here to talk about today is your grow dome. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, oh, wow. Uh, right. And this week on the show, we also had the founder of the company. So he explained fully what grow domes are. Tell me how your grow dome came to be. We have a partnership relationship with an entity called Black Nickel. Its founder is Caleb Ross. Mm-hmm. And his background is in marketing, promoting, events planning, and so forth. Right. And he had a team with him, and he's he's a graduate of Florida AMU. Mm-hmm. And he, he actually is from that uh, over near that area. And he was looking around and found the Hustlers of Harvesters Applied Garden and came out, took the punish himself, came out, you know, so from there we connected with him, started having conversations with him around that. And 
we start looking for utilizing his skill sets to start looking for different resources to because we were in the process of redesigning. We wanted to redesign the guard itself. And so he found growing spaces, connected with them. We did an application, applied. And surprisingly, again, you know, surprisingly, it was awarded. And we, we began having discourse with them around it. And it was exciting just talking with them, learning all about how they came into existence and so forth. Mm-hmm. And... We couldn't have imagined how significant doing that was going to be, especially in the sense of our goals. Doing, you mean working with them to get the dome in? Working with them to get the dome and everything. It was a learning, you know, it was a learning curve for all of us, for the Department of Parks and Recreation, right. when we're coordinating and managing that growth space, right? The type of things that, you know, you have to go through to get that done. You know, it ain't like, you know, somebody might think that they just lowered that down. Instead <laughs> of, we, actually, we actually built, you know, we were participating in the building of the grow dome because like Bo said, Bo is a carpenter. You know, many people in our community had, had various skill sets and so forth. So it was a, you know, it was a community engagement process and even building it, right? And now we're in this space right. where we are developing out and building out the inside of it, like Bo was mentioning, which is going to be unique in and of itself. So, Bo, how long have you had it? And what has happened in the community since you got it? Well, we just recently got it this year. No, last year. Uh-huh. Right. And like Wallace said, we not only did we got the dome, we helped build the dome with people in the community. People from the community just start seeing it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and they start coming. To I well, came it's, to a, see. it's it a, was a fascinating <laughs> thing to assemble. I'm sure you. Got, yes. You know, you got yeah. a lot of attention, right? Yes. Yeah. Actually, what we wanted to do, we ready to start building in it because you know our climate is a little different. So it got a little cold when it was starting to do stuff on the inside. So the beginning of this probably March or something, something we'll start doing a B vertical concept to build in there where you can grow vertical. And then we also we'll be doing another system where you just be growing vertical, where you can grow in maybe three to three square feet up to nine feet, which would be in that dome. We can grow up to 33 feet. So that way we can grow in three, three square feet, at least nine stories high. I can put at least 60 plants growing wow. high. And just as now you can imagine three heads of cabbage. Yep. You that's at least eight by eight feet or more. We're talking about three feet going not 10 feet high, 10 feet high. You can put at least 60 heads of lettuce. And we're talking cabbage. about in a, or carrots, cabbage or carrots. And that will be doing hydroponics. So we'll be doing hydroponics doing that. So we'll be doing a lot of various things in their research, mm-hmm. applied research. We also know that, you know, in the wintertime, it'll take a lot to keep it warm or whatever. We'll be also installing solar on the outside of there where we'll be growing vertical too as well. So it is, it's going to be exciting. We love it. 
No kidding. And, and I'll bet the community is just lit up about it. They can't wait to see it. I've been, we've been explaining it to them. You get, they keep talking about both. You keep talking about doing something different. You get this, what you going to do this time. And yes, yeah, so we'll be growing vertical up high and they're going to be loving it. Cause we got an input with the community because the people in the community, they actually want to know what they want to grow there too, as well. So we'll be doing classes. Wallace and I, we have talked classes through the courses of, through UDC. So we'll be doing classes and all up there. So online classes on YouTube and all. Right. Wow. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> and how did you guys make this financially happen? Because there's this balancing act that you have to put in place that, you know, it costs money and we have to make that happen. How did you get that done? We say this, everything turned out very well when you have a awesome team, right? Right. We pride ourselves on having an awesome team. We call it the ASOP team. They bring their A game to, to the process, right? We understand that, you know, each individual, Bo, Bo has a famous line. He always say to us, stay in your lane. You stay in your lane, we'll make it to our destination, right? And so each one of us understanding what our role and responsibilities are in the context of the team. Mm-hmm. Part of it, of course, is, you know, we know we need resources. We know we need funding you know, to do things on level and to the extent that we we, we, we de- developed the design and vision. So several of our team members, you know, they, they put their all into doing good research for grants, funding opportunities, you know, volunteerism mm-hmm. and so forth. And it's, it's through that, you know, their efforts and coordination, we've been pretty good at getting some very good responses financially. You know, one of them that we like to highlight is our partnership with Pepco, right? Because they were oh, there the whole time doing it with growing spaces. We needed a, a container, you know, to keep our tools and, and all the stuff that was coming, the kit that came from growing spaces, you know, and they, you know, heard our need and responded to our need, gave us, you know, the funding we need to get that in. And, you know, that was a learning curve too, because of the way that we had to have it backed up in there, you know, the streets. And so, it, you know, you got to have, you know, a good team. We got a good team. Yeah. Nice. And Growing Spaces makes the growing domes. And what's it been like working with them? It's been great. We can call and speak to them. You know, they give us advice, you know. Ever since they left when they helped us get it together, they stayed in contact with us constantly, asking us what our next move will be. Because, because they do know the weather is different from here to there. So we do know that we had to start a certain time to be able to put stuff in there. But, but just great, just like a great relationship. You know, I can't wait to this. We start doing, putting stuff in there again so we can really get back with them and you all again. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Any final thoughts before we transition? I'd like to say this about, uh, you know, just a plug about growing space in the Grow Dome itself. You know, I think that is it's the type of, kind of design that for urban spaces, particularly where you don't have a lot of acres of, of land mm-hmm. and you want to get the greatest yield from whatever you're growing and you want to be able to do it, you know, year round and in, in an efficient type of uh, design, those grow domes, uh, it's the way to go. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm seeing too. That- it's just like an, ex- an extraordinary product. I'm, yes. Yeah. And, and, 
Actually, once you have it designed right, you can actually live in it. You can really? actually, you can actually, you can act. Once you get get the right solar put on there, uh-huh. where you can control the temperature just right. You can literally live in there. A new you tiny is, home. But just think about it now. Just really think about it. All you would need is a bio bathroom. Yep. We only had a 33-foot one. We actually won the grant to get the 42-foot one, but it would have took up too much space. Oh, right. We, I mean, we, let me be clear. We was a little sad because we wanted that 42-foot Of foot course. Because right? <laughs> right? we really, we, look, Caleb, the grubber for Black Nickel, me and Wallace, we tried our best to make it fit. Yeah. <laughs> but it just would have been just too tight for that spot, right? But we're grateful to have that period but you can actually live in those things once done right i can see that happening actually (laughs) how cool is that so i'm going to shift on you and bo i'd like for you to talk about a time you failed how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it well that goes back from me being incarcerated i failed so many times so many times until they gave me 48 years to life. And I gave all of it back except 13. And I asked the creators, our ancestors, who, you know, God, Jesus, Jehovah, I asked everybody, just mm-hmm. give me one more time, one more time. And I came home from incarcerated. I'm only five feet, five, five. I came home weighing 205 pounds 30, at the age of 37 with a cane on psych medication. So that was a turning, a real turning point in my life to come home and then to see our youth, our our young generation in despair, right? I mean, just going through so much in the streets. I begged that I would never, ever go back to jail and I would devote my time and my life into making the change, transforming land and lives. Like my grandmother always told me, right? You know, if you want to do something, don't nobody listen to you, show them better than you could tell them. So that's that's my that's my failures, my present and my future is just transforming land and life. And if it wasn't for this this brother that that's my senior co-founder, be honestly, Wallace Kirby, I would have failed a million times. Wow. And I'm not going to sit there and I would have failed a million times. So, you know, thanks to our creator, our ancestors and this big this mentor of mine, you know, you know, I would have failed without Wallace Kirby. Yeah, mentors so are. Yeah, so, so I'll let him in with the rest of that, if so. And Wallace, what do you consider your biggest success? I think one of my biggest successes is realizing, you know, just what Bo was saying, that Bo, somebody who, you know, was a child when I when I went to prison. Mm-hmm. And I went to prison for 20, well, 23 years. Wow. And went through all type of mental institutions and and so forth, right? Was subjected to all type of what I call drug abuse, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, in there. To see a vision, and and Bo is a visioner. To see someone who I didn't even really know as a child, who came up in the same environment that I came up, kind of went along the same path of going into these juvenile institutions and prisons and mental institutions and so forth. And for him to come through that, and just like with myself, they have come through that. And then him to still want to fulfill a vision, his vision, a vision. And his vision was no different than mine. But I, I attempted, failed, I would say failed, to do what we're doing now in the same environment. 
Mm-hmm. But bro, he brought a whole nother energy, a whole nother advanced way of, of doing this. And it has led us to nowhere but success. But we fail to give up. <laughs> that's the thing. Just don't we, we, quit, right? We don't know. That's we don't where, know. <laughs> Go ahead, Wilder. That's where you seen the term earlier, university of hard knocks. Yep. Right. That's where that comes from, right? We've been, you know, our lives have been centered around that. Most of the people we've been engaging with, oftentimes they don't they do come to understand that we've all we've all go through this these ups and downs and trials and tribulations and, and, and challenges and whatever, right? But it ain't so much so that you going through them, it's how you end up and how you dealt with them, mm-hmm. right? And it's all about transforming, whatever it is. Right. Wow. Thank you for that. And Bo, what drives you? Waking up every morning knowing I got to do something. And really, really, actually, what really drives me is my grandmother who raised me. You know, my mother got killed when I was four, right? Mm. So, you know, I was raised by my grandmother and the neighborhood, the neighborhood. Wallace's real connection for me, we didn't mention, was through my uncle. Wallace knew my uncle. He was younger than my uncle. So that thrives me, you know, knowing that he knew my uncle and we met back, you know, in time at a certain day and time to where we are now. Right. And my grandmother was my biggest accomplice because I'm, I know my grandmother and my uncle just as well as most definitely my mother. I shining down smiling like, you know, your little butt finally did something right. <laughs> Your little boy finally doing something right, right? To save who? The the people. The power's in the people. And that's what we're giving people back power to be able to grow and understand life again. And Wallace, what drives you? I guess the same thing, you know, similar to like what what Boa said, you know, it's my mother. Mm. My mother was a single mother, you know, like there's a lot of single mothers in that neighborhood. And my mother was, you know, older when she had me, she was in her forties, just watching her, you know, watching her and how she conducted herself, how she interacted with other people and how she, she loved life, right? How she loved people and how humane she was with people. Mm. Taught us that, taught me that, taught that community that as well. And so yeah, my, my mother. And Wallace, if you could recommend one book for us, what would it be and why? You know, like both, like both say, you know, he called me his senior advisor, you know, <laughs> and uh, that's 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 very endearing. And it's real. You know, I'm 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 66 years old mm-hmm. and, you know, I've, I've studied a lot. I'm an avid reader. And this whole thing around agriculture, I had a mentor, elder mentor, Bo met him. His name was Aduno. Here's a line he always say. First thing you hear him say, last thing, there is no culture without agriculture. There is no culture without agriculture. Mm. And, and I study, you know, I study history and, and so forth. I've studied a lot about ancient civilizations like ancient Kemet or Egypt and about Sumer, Babylon and, and ancient Israel in that area over there. And all it was about a lot of those stories that they call myths and all that is about agriculture, the bringing of agriculture. And it's a brother named, I like to share his name, is Dr. Ridley Abdul Mumin Muhammad. That's Dr. Ridley 
Abdul Mukmin Muhammad. And he was a member of the Nation of Islam under mm -hmm. uh, Honorable Louis Farrakhan. And he, he has a book called The Science and Business of Farming Versus the Art and Hobby Gardening. And it, it is a journey of really learning about agriculture on a commercial level. And then that which we call now the day and what we doing, small container or small space growing, which is kind of for art, artistic purposes and hobby and purpose. Excellent book, excellent read, a lot of knowledge, a lot of history, a lot of facts and a lot of agricultural references there. Awesome. 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 Thank you so much for that. And Bo, what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Always consider gardening, agriculture. It's from the beginning of time, from Wallace just said. Mm -hmm. It's from the beginning of time, right? You know, it gets you back into your roots when you start doing history on it. And one last favorite word, like my grandmother always show, told me, right? Show them better than you could tell them, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's my famous word, Sean Bennett, you could tell him. I've been sitting here listening to your stories and I can't even imagine growing up in your world. And as a white man, I can't even get what you guys have been through. And I am so sorry about that. I am so sorry you had to go through what you went through because it's just not right. Well, let me say one thing real quick, right? Like my grandmother used to say, right? Don't feel sorry, right? Always lend a hand. Mm. <laughs> okay. Love that. <laughs> so Love that. Let me let Wallace finish. <laughs> I would always say this. We wouldn't be who we are. And yeah. we've been on that journey through those experiences that we went through. So, I, you know, I'm grateful for the experiences, you know, even though, you know, they might be classified as negative, whatever. Mm -hmm. But like you say, that's why we say, you know, we're about transforming land and lives. It ain't just about the land. It's about people's lives too, right? And yeah. we know that our lives was transformed along the journey that was, that was written out for us, planned out for us, you know, just yeah. like with yourself. You know, it's a beautiful thing. You're right here. We're right here. We're connected, right? Yes. So same path. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. For joining us on the show today, Bowen Wallace. It's been a delight to chat with you. A pleasure, and thank you for having us. Yes, it's a pleasure and an honor. So, how do our listeners find you? How do we get a hold of you? Well, I'm a direct person. They can get my phone number. <laughs> my phone number is 202 907 2669. And my email address is I C. M-E-N-T-O-R 64 at gmail.com. Perfect. And we will get those in the show notes. And Wallace can give you his information, you know, his email as well. Yeah, now my email address is Chewbacca9 at gmail.com. Chewbacca is S-H-U-B-A-K-A 9 at gmail.com website at hustlersdeharvesters.org. Perfect. And you can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash hustlers to harvest. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org 
or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.